those of you that have checked it out and have uh, emailed me concerning corrections and stuff, thank you so much for that. Continue to do that. Uh, we'll take care of them as uh, as time permits. Uh, those of you that haven't had a chance to check it out yet, please do. Uh, we want we want our website to be not only gorgeous, but we want it to be functional. We want to be able to use that uh, to minister to this community. Amen. So uh, if you haven't had a chance to check it out, check it out. Use it. Go through the pages. Uh, if something looks off, appears broken, you got a suggestion, something we could do, shoot me an email. Uh, I'll take a look at it and see what we can do. Amen. Uh, next Sunday, for those of you that don't have smart devices, uh, <laughs> Richard, I'm looking at you. <laughs> Daylight savings time. Amen. So, uh, again, if you don't have a smart device that takes care of that now for you, uh, make sure that the, your clocks are set ahead an hour. Amen. <laughs> okay. Set your clocks ahead an hour, Saturday. So, uh, take care of that. Uh, concerning the, uh, the, uh, business meeting on March 20th at 10 a.m. here at the church, uh, again, uh, if you're a voting member, please be here. Uh, we, we do want, we do want to, uh, take care of church business. And if you're a voting member, you're a part of that business. Amen. Now, I do want to say one thing about that. Uh, it has come to my attention that there are a couple people that are interested in the position of secretary treasurer. Fantastic. I love hearing that. My wife is going to be nominated this year. And the reason for that, and probably the only reason for that, is because of the pastoral transition. Uh, Sister Parker has been working very closely with my wife during the transitional uh, process, and so she is she's up to speed on everything, and we want to get that taken care of as soon as possible. So this year, it's a one-year term. This year, it will be my wife. Uh, next year, I've spoken to my wife, and she is uh, very okay with either splitting that up or just passing it off to someone else. So uh, next year we will revisit that, and uh, we can certainly go from there. But as far as this year is concerned, uh, that's that's the way we're going to proceed. Amen. But thank you so much for uh, expressing interest in that. Amen. The Lord has a plan tonight, doesn't he? I can't wait to see what it is. Let's all stand. We have plans, we, we prepare, and we, we, we take care of what we can do. And then uh, hopefully God shows up and blasts all of that to smithereens, and, and he does a move that, that only he can do. Amen. Uh, before we start service tonight, we're going to go to the Lord in prayer. We're going to ask him to bless his word. Uh, please continue to be in prayer for, uh, for not only lacrosse, we, we want to be ministering to lacrosse, uh, but to those that have been here previously, but are not here right now. Uh, backsliders, people that have, for one reason or another, decided that, that this really isn't for them. They've got uh, other things to do, better things to do. I, I don't know what the situations are, but you and I know that this is where we need to be. We need to be serving the Lord Jesus Christ in these, these last days. And uh, whether, you know, I... 
people get deceived. People get sidetracked. People get distracted. And uh, we want to be reaching out to them specifically. We want to be ministering to them. Also, please remember the needs that are in this congregation. Uh, we don't want to forget each other either. In the midst of uh, everything that we do, conducting the Lord's battles, uh, we need to be mindful of one another and be ministering to each other. Amen. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. I'm expecting great things tonight. Lord Jesus, you're an awesome God. I am so thankful for you, for your so great salvation. I'm thankful for the plan that you have in store for us here tonight. And I pray, Lord Jesus, that you would be loosed. We loose the Spirit of God here tonight to do everything that you want to do. I pray, O oh God, that all of your heart, all of your mind would be manifest in our service tonight. Hallelujah, Jesus. I pray for each person here, each person joining us online, that you administer in their lives the situations that they're facing, that you would undergird with strength, that you would speak life and encouragement into them. And I pray, O oh God, for those that used to attend here but are not presently. I pray, O oh God, that you'd sue mercy unto them, that you'd be very merciful and gracious unto them and lead them, I pray, with cords of love to a place of repentance. Bring them back home, I pray. Hallelujah, Jesus. Reach out to the city through your people and do a work that only you can do. Send revival to La Crosse. Hallelujah. And use each and every person here to facilitate that move. I pray for our service tonight. Anoint your word. Anoint your servant tonight to speak the word of God with boldness and with authority. Minister in and through him, I pray, the whole counsel of God. And above all else, Lord, that your name would be glorified in our midst tonight. These things we ask in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name we pray. Hallelujah, Jesus. Amen. I've asked Brother Demuth to come and speak to us tonight. He is going to come, and as he comes, if we could, as a church, lift up the name of Jesus Christ and give glory and honor unto him, because he is worthy. Amen. Hallelujah, Jesus. Praise God. Hallelujah. Let's continue to worship him. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. We don't want songs, but we want music. The Bible talks about the fruit of our lips, giving praise unto His name tonight. I don't want to take that Bible. I don't want to take just a couple of minutes. I don't want to try to cut it short. I don't want to ever, oh God, to, to not spend the, the, the proper amount of time, Father. We love him tonight. Tell him how much you love him tonight. Tell him how much you need him tonight. Father, we need you tonight. We need your mercy. We need your grace. We need your angels, oh God, to minister in this place. We want to go all Lift up our name. Hallelujah. 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 Jesus. All praise, all glory, and all honor be unto you, Jesus. All of the highest praise that we can give you tonight. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 My God is great. Amen. Well, greatly. To be praised. Amen. Amen. We can clap our hands. We can sing all the songs we want. Amen. But the Bible says that it speaks of the fruit of our lips, giving praise unto his name. And I don't think that when that was written, they were talking about music. The fruit of our lips, giving praise. He wants to hear us. 
praising him. I want to, my sons wanted to hear me say to them, I love you. Right? And I wanted to hear them say that back to me. And so our heavenly father wants to hear from us. He wants to know. He, yeah, he can read our minds. He can read our heart, but he wants to hear it out of our own lips. Amen. And so I'm just thankful tonight that I have a God that I can serve. Amen. I'm thankful that God delivered me, Brother Becker, when I was an adult. Amen. And I, for years, you can be seated tonight. For years, I heard about the the camps and the youth camps and all that stuff. And, and people would say, yeah, I remember youth camp. And I just, you know, Jerry Jones and people like that. And I'd say, what? Well, I never had that. <laughs> Wished I did, but thank God he saved me anyway. And uh, he had to take me all the way around the world to a place I wasn't, didn't really want to be at first, but God knew what he was doing. Thank God he knew what he was doing, and thank God he still knows what he's doing today. He is not old, he is not frail, he is not weak, he is not forgetful. Right? The Bible says that. He is not forgetful. He remembers his promises to us. Amen. We got the uh, <clears throat> the World Network of Prayer email this week uh, was talking about praying the word and reminding God of his promises. Reminding God of, God, you said this. You said you'd do this if I do this. And, and we're not necessarily holding God's feet to the fire, but we're reminding him. Of his promises. That's, I want, I want, I want to be able to do that. I want, I want God to know that I'm, I'm not just a, a, just a bystander down here on this earth. Amen. I want to be an active part of the kingdom. Amen. Don't you? Amen. Praise God. I appreciate Brother Becker texting me and, uh, you know, that scripture that says be instant in season and out of season comes in to play right now. And, uh, this is truly from God because I don't know if he's going to blow to smithereens anybody's ideas tonight, but I believe he's going to speak to us. And if he blows your ideas to smithereens, that's his business and not mine. I'm just going to be the vessel that he sent here to speak to you tonight. So we're going to talk about, well, let's just go ahead and read our scripture first. The book of James, chapter 4, verse 11 through 17, and I'm going to read it in the King James Version. That's all right. Amen. James, chapter 4. Verse 11 through 17. And in the New King James, it says this, Do not speak evil of one another, brethren. He who speaks evil of a brother and judges his brother speaks evil of the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law, but a judge. I like this next verse. There is one lawgiver, one judge, who is able to save and to destroy. Who are to judge another? Verse 13, come now. You will say, today or tomorrow we will go to such and such a city and spend a year there and buy and sell and make a profit. Whereas you do not know what will happen tomorrow. None of us do. For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we shall live and do this or that. But now you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting 
is evil. If we're going to boast, let's boast in the Lord, right? Therefore, to him who knows to do good and does it does not do it, to him it is sin. And so we're going to talk tonight about this subject. Is doing good good enough? Is doing good good enough? So that word good, it basically, uh, among uh, the many meanings uh, of these Greek words, uh, that word basically means to do the right thing. How many wants to do the right thing? I want to do right. I want to live right now that I have this precious Holy Ghost, now that I have this salvation. I want to do right. And I know there's a lot of people out there in the world that don't have what we have, and they still want to live right and do right. And, and many do. I want to do the right thing. I want to do the right thing by God. I want to do the right thing by my family. I want to do the right thing by my, my friends and my coworkers. And I want to do the right thing by my boss. I want to give him eight hours of work for eight hours of pay. I want to do the right thing. But is doing the right thing good enough? I don't believe that this writer was just referring to doing right and doing good so that we can stay saved, right? Because the Bible that I read doesn't, we weren't called to that. We weren't just called to stay saved and stay in the boat. There was a great commission, if I remember correctly. We're going to talk about that tonight. Book of Psalms, chapter 14, verse 1 through 3. The fool hath said in his heart, if you, this is not referring to anybody in this room, okay? The fool hath said in his heart, there is no God. They are corrupt. They have done abominable works. There is none that doeth good. Whoa. There's none that doeth good? Praise God. And is that one through three, okay. Psalm 53, verse 1 through 3. I'm not going to read it because it says exactly the same thing. There is none that doeth good. James just told us if we don't do good, it's sin. But God's telling us through David that there's none that does good. So which is it? Which is it? Can we really do good? And if we can really do good, is it good enough for God? Does, does God just want us to stay saved? Is he happy with that? Is he satisfied with us just doing good and being good and doing right? Is he? Ask yourself. I'm not going to give you the answer tonight. you got to determine that for yourself. This is, not a, this is an open book test, okay? You open the book. Romans 3, 21 through 26. Romans 3, 21 through 26. And, but now the righteousness of God without the law is manifested, being witnessed by the law and the prophets. Even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ, 
unto all and upon all them that believe. So the righteousness of God comes through faith in Jesus Christ, doesn't it? For there is no difference. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God has set forth to be a propitiation through faith in His blood, to declare His righteousness for the remission of sins that are past. Through the forbearance of God. What's forbearance? Somebody, somebody let you off the hook for a little while. We'll give you another month to pay your rent. That's a forbearance. We're, we're gonna, we're not gonna drop the hammer on you right now. We're gonna give you a little time on your house payment. We all, that's a, that's a term in real estate, right? A forbearance. So that's what he's talking about. I'm gonna hold back my judgment. Isn't that what he's doing in our life? That's what Jesus went to the cross for so that he took the judgment for us, right? To declare, I say, that at this time his righteousness, that he might be just and the justifier of him which believeth in Jesus. The justifier of him which believeth in Jesus. He is the justifier. He is the righteous one. Is he not? Isaiah 64, verse 4 through 8. For since the beginning of the world, men have not heard, nor perceived by ear, nor hath the, the eye seen, O God, beside thee what, the, what he has prepared for him that waiteth for him. Thou meetest him that rejoiceth and worketh righteousness, those that remember thee in the ways, behold, thou art wroth, for he we have sinned. In those his continuance, in, in those his continuance, and we shall be saved. But we are all as unclean thing, and all our righteousness. Let's read that together. And all our righteousness are as filthy rags, and we all do fade as a leaf. And our iniquities, not somebody else's iniquities, our iniquities, like the wind have taken us away. And there is none that calleth upon thy name that stirreth up himself to take hold of thee, for thou hast hid thy face from us and hast consumed us because of our iniquities. But now, O Lord, thou art our Father, we are the clay. If I raise your hand. You're the clay. It's all we are is clay. That's it. Just old clay pots, right? We're the clay, thou art the potter, and we all are the work of thy hand. So we, if I'm reading that right, we are the work of God's hand. Or at least we're supposed to be. Right? Isn't that what but all of this salvation and all of this, this, this walking with the Lord and all of these things that we live and do every day of our life now that we're in this truth, isn't that what it's really all about? It's about being the work of His hand. We're just sitting on the wheel 
Even to this day, I don't care if you've been in church five minutes or 50 years, you're still on the wheel. God is still working on us. There still are things in our life that he needs to get out of our life. If you don't believe that, you need to go read the book of Job. Because there was something in Job's life that was deep down, deep-seated, that Job didn't even know was there. And God had to put some things in motion in Job's life. And God, in his mercy and grace, did that for Job's sake. Because God knew that allowing the enemy to do all those things would, would bring that thing up to the surface where he could deal with it. And if you read, if you've read the book of Job at least once, you, you know that God did. He brought that up and God dealt with it. (laughs) And Job got, got a little talking to from God and, and God asked him a whole bunch of questions that he didn't have the answer to. And they all started with, where were you when I fill in the blank? Where were you? Right? Nothing's changed, has it? God's still the same. (laughs) And flesh is still the same. And humanity is still the same. And Job was a man after God's own heart. And Job walked with God. And Job, Job was one of those people like Enoch. He was, he really stood out to God and, and God was bragging on him to the devil. (laughs) And all of that, Job, Still had to go through some stuff, even though, even when that's in that story, when it said, in all of this, Job didn't sin. He didn't speak evil of God. Even though his wife said, why don't you just curse God and die? He said, nope. Naked I came, naked I'm going to return. He still, that didn't get him out of it. He had to go through it. And do you think God's not going to make us, allow us, in his mercy and grace to go through some stuff? To make sure that whatever's down in here that, that maybe we don't know is there, that he's not going to bring that out because he's still molding and making us in his image. And he wants us to be all that we can be for him. And God in his mercy and grace will do whatever he's got to do. I want him to. I want him to expose whatever it is in me that's keeping me from being all that I can be for him. And I know, Brother DeMuth, you got to be careful saying stuff like that. Because God hears you, right? But I'm, it doesn't change anything. I want that. Because above all else, I must be saved. I've got to be saved. I'm not just saying that as, I'm not just saying that. I mean that for me. I've got to be saved. Amen? Matthew 5 and 20 in the New King James says, For I say to you that unless your righteousness, your righteousness, he emphasizes the word your righteousness. Who's talking here? Jesus. Unless your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, you will not, you will by no means enter into the kingdom of heaven. Our own righteousness can't, period. 
But his righteousness can and will. You know that coat that that father put on the prodigal son? To me, that represents God's robe of righteousness. When he pulled me out of the pig slop, when he pulled me out of the pit, when he pulled me out of the world, Brother Becker, he put his robe of righteousness on me. So so that that was all that he could see was his robe of righteousness. He couldn't see my sin anymore. He couldn't see the life that I had lived and the times that I took his name in vain and, and all those things that I did. He loved me enough. He loved Job enough. He loved him. That agape love, that God love. He loved, he loves us enough to not leave us the way that we are. Thank God he didn't. I look back sometimes and, and I don't think of myself as a Bible scholar or anything close to that. I look back sometimes and I think, dear God. it's only by your mercy and grace that I am what I am today and that I am who I am today. It's not me. I didn't do it. I guess in a sense I did. I, I submitted myself to his will. Have I always done that? No. But it's a process, isn't it? It's a process. We are not our own, the Bible says. Doesn't it? What what else does it say? We are bought with a price. We're not our own boss, if I may say that. That's really what that means. If you're not your own, and he bought you, Joseph was bought and made a slave. And he had no say-so whatsoever. He went where the master told him to go. He did what the master told him to do. He scrubbed the floor. If he told him to scrub the floor, he took, he did whatever the master told him to do. He had no say so. And so we have to, I have to, I'll just use myself. I have to remind myself of that scripture almost daily. I am not my own. I am bought with a price. I don't get to have a say. God didn't ask me for my opinion. And if he does, and I know, I know, I know, Abraham and others have spoken to God and, and they, they, they went before God for the people, but, but by and large, I, I want to be submitted to God's will. I don't want my own will. Because you see, if that was good enough for Jesus, that's good enough for me. Because what did Jesus say? He used that big long word in the, in the, in the King James English, nevertheless. Nevertheless. What does that mean? It means regardless of my opinion, regardless of my thoughts, my attitudes, regardless of what I think, God, I, I know that's a, that's a good plan, God, but I, I think I can come up with a better one. No, that's Jesus. You know, Jesus did pray. He he did pray and try to get out of it, didn't he? Right? I'm not the only one that read that. Matter of fact, I was reading today, and he went back three times. He kept going back and waking up those disciples, and then he kept going back and saying, 
please, Lord, if there's another way. But ultimately, he submitted himself to his heavenly father, who he had been quoting the whole time. Everything I do, I do it because the Father told me to do it. Everything I say, I say it because the Father told me to say it. He was living the example of what he wants us to do. <laughs> but he was still flesh and didn't want to have to be nailed to the cross. But ultimately, he realized what his calling and purpose in this whole life was. It was for us in this room right here. Those of us online. It was for us. That's why he said, nevertheless. Nevertheless, regardless of my opinion, regardless of what I think, regardless of how bad it's going to hurt, I'm going to do this. Because Rob Becker needs it, and Rufus Parker needs it, and Vince DeMuth needs it, and Ryan needs it. I'm doing this for them. Mark 16, no, Matthew 28, 18 through 20. Matthew 28, 18 through 20. And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye. Everybody say, go ye. Go ye. Here it is right here. Here it is. Here's your marching orders right here. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, which is what? Jesus. Name of the Son, which is what? In the name of the Holy Ghost, which is? Amen. I'm just saying. Teaching them to observe all things. And that word all, all things right there is, speaks of the totality of. Not just all as in, I get all the marbles. But it's the totality of, of everything. Teaching them the totality of everything that I've taught you, whatever I've commanded you, and lo, I'm with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. So there it is. That is right right there is what we're supposed to be doing. So if you have to ask yourself, is good, darn good, good enough, there's your answer right there. Because that's not what James is saying. It's not what I believe he's saying. Right? Don't, don't just do good so you can stay safe. Right? You gotta do right by people. Right? We are, we were just talking about the souls of this city, the ones that are saved and unsaved, especially the unsaved ones. Maybe they aren't backslidden. Maybe they just walked away after they got baptized. We saw that for five years in Okinawa. People, we'd baptize people in the East China Sea and we'd never see them again. And you're like, as good as this is, how could you walk away? You're kidding me. But they did. Thankfully, some of those people came back stateside and ended up getting in church anyway. <laughs> God knew what he was doing. There's a point to why, why I said that. Mark sixteen fifteen through 18. And he said unto them, here we go again. This is the one that's probably going to be the one that's going to obliterate all of your ideas right here. Because I'm just going to beat this like a dead horse. And I'm just doing what the Lord told me to do. Because he didn't even give me this until 2 o'clock this afternoon. (laughs) So it has to be God. Because I can't take credit for it. Not even in a little bit. I'm just the vessel up here moving my mouth. 
And they said unto them, Go ye into all the world. I'm serious. And preach the gospel. What does it mean to preach the gospel? Does it mean to stand up here and do what I'm doing? Mm -mm. Did you know that Christians didn't even have church and church? Now, I've read some history. I'm, I'm not an expert. But what I've read, we, there wasn't even a church building until after Constantine, some, somewhere in that time frame. Because he started giving all these, these ornate buildings to the Christians. Before that, it wasn't like that. So when it says to preach the gospel, it means to publish or announce publicly with all of its privileges and obligations. And what was the key word in that statement? That definition, publicly. That's not from here. Sorry. <laughs> you want a pulpit ministry? There it is, right outside that door. Now, I'm not telling anybody to go stand on the street corner on a soapbox. If God tells you to do that, that's your business. But we got to take it out there, is what I'm saying. They're out there. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. Doesn't sound like it's our responsibility to, to save them, does it? Might be our job to baptize them, but it's not our job to save them. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. If you, if you decide, if you hear this and you decide you want to be baptized and be saved, that's your business. That's your decision. He that believeth not shall be damned. Not my concern if you don't want this. If, if I was selling, you know, vacuum cleaners door to door and you didn't want it, and I did everything I was trained to do and told to do and you didn't want it, I'd just pack up my stuff and move to the next door, wouldn't I? Hi there, I'm your vacuum cleaner salesman, right? And you keep doing that until somebody says yes and lets you in the door and he throws some dirt on their carpet and you show them how good the vacuum cleaner is and you sell them a vacuum cleaner, right? And it's the same way with the gospel. Everybody's not going to want to hear this. But we can't use that as an excuse not to tell them. we got to tell them. we got to be wise as serpents and harmless as doves, right? That's what the Bible says. And these signs shall follow them that believe. Signs will follow believers. Signs will follow believers. In my name they shall cast out devils. And they shall speak with new tongues. They shall take up serpents, and if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. So who is that talking about? Who is that talking about, Sister Sandy? You. You. You, Barb. Right? Linda? Richard? Everybody in this room. Huh? You can't say I'm too young. <laughs> You can't, say, you can't say I'm too old. No, you can't use that excuse. <laughs> we got a we got a home missionary down down in Stoughton that's 78 years old that's starting a church. <laughs> when I heard that, I said, "Well, I guess I can't use age as an excuse now." <laughs> and they're not just doing it a little bit; they're going at it full bore. They're excited. That God's letting them be used at this age. 
And they thank God they still have the energy to do it. Amen. I don't know about you, but I don't want to just sit in the back of the bus. <laughs> do you? No. And we were talking about Mount Fuji. I didn't want to ride that bus all the way to the middle part of Mount Fuji to just sit on the bus while everybody else went and climbed it. <laughs> I got out and spent my money and bought a stick, and I, I did the deal. I, I climbed that thing. I conquered it. 12,895 feet. Now, I didn't climb the whole thing, but still. Trust me when I tell you that five and a half hours was more grueling than you could even imagine if you've never done it. You didn't feel it till the next day. Right? Tough. Acts chapter 2, verse 39 through 47. Acts chapter 2, verse 39 through 47. Most of you in here could probably quote this. But I won't make anybody quote it. For the promise is unto you. What what promise? The Bible talks about it being the promise of the Father, right? Abraham's promise. Right? That every nation, that every family on the earth would be blessed. Blessed with what? This promise. What promise is that? What just happened right before this? Baptism of the Holy Ghost. The outpouring of the Holy Ghost on the day of Pentecost, right? Now to our children, to all that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. And with many other words did they testify and exhort, saying, Save yourselves from this untoward generation. And they that gladly received his word were baptized. And they didn't force it on anybody. If you gladly received it, go get in line. You're getting baptized. And the same day were added unto them about 3,000 souls. And they continued. Who are they? Let's, let's, let's determine who they are before we can continue. Who's they? The church, right? This is a brand new church. They was a bunch of new converts. Right, Sister Becker? It was they. It was those, those disciples and the, the ones in the upper room, including Mary, the mother of Jesus, but it was they. It was the ones that were coming out of the water from being baptized. They. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers. And fear came upon every soul. Reverence. Some, they just watched, they just experienced something pretty awesome just happen. And they were just, when they were, when they were just trying to mock the whole thing and say, oh, these are just full of new wine. And then when Peter preached, that was all over. They forgot all about what they just said about mocking it. Peter preached that anointed message and everything changed from that moment on. And many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. And then, and all that believed were together, all that believed, all those new converts, they were all together and had all things common. And said, I'm sorry, and sold all their possessions and goods and parted them to all men as every man had need. Do we do that? No, we kind of do it. I ask my, I read that scripture a lot and ask myself a lot, am I really doing that? What the first church did? 
Or am I just kind of holding it to myself? Because it's not mine anyway, is it? I'm just a steward of whatever he gave me. If he gave me millions, I'm still a steward of his money. Right? Just saying. And they continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart. Praising God and having favor with all the people. And this is the one I wanted to get to. And the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. Some some references say such as were being saved. Well, how were they being saved? Well, yeah, somebody had to baptize them. Right? But the Bible says that no man comes to him except he draws them. So I got a question for you. How does he draw them? Does he just... Does he do that? How does God draw people to him? Anybody? Everybody raise your hand. It's you. It's us. That's what drew me to this. Somebody that loved God so much that just overwhelmed me with how much they loved God. It was their love for God and their love for me that drew me. That's what I believe God is saying, that no man comes to me except I draw him. Well, he's not bypassing us, is he? I think you just said Sunday, he needs us. That's why he, why do you think they asked Jesus, teach us to pray? Because John prayed. He needs us as vessels. He needs us to pray. He needs us to, to speak his word into the, into the existence of this world. Right? He needs us. It's his job to do the saving. It's our job to do the proclaiming and the teaching. It's the unsaved person's job to make the decision as to whether they want to live and serve God or not. It's not our concern. But God, they they really need to be saved. Yeah, I know. But you can't save them. And I won't unless they let me. That's what he says. So what is our job? Our job is to love the lost. Freely you have received the love of God. The agape of God. The only way you get agape is receiving it from God, right? Because it's it's God's love. It's It's the only one that really doesn't have a Greek definition. It's God love, and that's freely you have received, freely give that love back out. It's not my love, because it's not, I don't know about you, but I'm not capable of loving some people of myself. I'd just rather go to the other side of the hallway or the road and go find somebody else that is more suitable for me to love, but it's not my love that's loving them. It's, it's God's love in me. And so I've got to give that love back out. I can't keep it to, I can't hold it in myself and keep it to myself. So we're to love the lost and reach them with the gospel. And if they don't want it, they don't receive it, that's not our problem. Pray for them, love them anyway. No matter what they look like, smell like, act like, doesn't matter. Who knows if you're not just planting a seed that somebody else is going to come along and 
water and prayer, and then somebody else is going to come along. And that's where a lot of those people in Okinawa that walked away, they ended up coming back here. And we didn't know it, but we were just planting seeds. We were all worried about, oh, they're going to leave the island and we're going to lose them. God's like, I got this. I got this. And they came back here and what we had done was enough to, to get them started down that road. Amen. You gotta water the seed. We sing this song. Have thine own way, Lord. Have thine own way. Thou art the potter. I am the clay. Mold me and make me after your will. While I am waiting, yielded and still. Have thine own way. Do we really mean that? It's not a yes, don't answer, brother, to me. (laughs) But do we really mean that when we sing that song? Do we really think about what those words are saying to us? Because it's it's hard for some people to let somebody else have their way and, and to relinquish all control and all ability to be in charge of anything in your life. Easier said than done. Easier said than done. No lie. That's easier said than done. Because why? Because we're flesh and we want to be in control. Right? It's right whether you agree or not. Do we really mean what we're saying when we sing that song? We need to think about that. We can't just sing the songs and say, oh, that was a great song. That's a good old song. I love that song. We've got to think about what the words of the song are saying. God, am I doing that? Or am I just singing empty words to you? They honor me with their lips, one scripture says, but their hearts are well over there somewhere. They're, they're busy on their iPhone. They're busy thinking about something else. Can we get this service over? Right? I was one of those once. So how different would our life and our decisions be if we truly took the words of that song to heart? And if we truly applied them to our daily lives. How would it affect every single decision that we make? And I was listening to an audio book once about spiritual leadership, and the guy that was, he was reading his own book, <clears throat> and his wife was a psychologist, and he and her would talk a lot about stuff like this. And she told him one day that we make somewhere in the neighborhood of about 35,000 decisions a day on average. Don't even try to start thinking about and counting them. But she, as a psychologist, had studied this stuff, and and she had to use this information as to help people that were struggling with decisions in life. Like, don't freak out. You make about 35,000 decisions a day. So how much more blessed would you be if you just, just threw everything up in the air and said, God, you make the decision. How much peace would you have? 
I didn't make that decision. God did. Let him worry about it. Right? Talk about peace that passes all understanding. I want that kind of peace. I'm not there yet. How different would our lives be, though, if we really thought about that song, the words of that song, and and really thought about every decision we made and asked ourselves and asked God, am I making this decision or are you? Am I letting you make this decision? And if God says, go ahead, make the decision, yeah, then you do it, right? So, is doing good or doing right then abiding by the Lord's commands and will? Did he not command us to go and proclaim the gospel? He never commanded us to sit and wait for people to come in the door. Never. That never was his plan. We just read in the book of Acts chapter 2, the last part of Acts chapter 2, what did they do? They went where? From house to house. Breaking bread and having favor with all the people. I don't know about you. I want the Lord's favor when I go to that restaurant and see those people every Thursday. I want them to to say, there's those people again. I don't know what's, what it is about them, but I like whenever they come in this place. I want them to think that. Not for me. That's why I can go, I'm so special. I'm the best customer they got. I'm probably not. They, there's plenty of people in that restaurant they know. They've known a lot longer than they've known me. But I want to walk in that place every time I walk in that place, not so they can see Vince and Carol, but so they can see Jesus. They don't know what it is they feel. They don't know what it is that, that's walking in there, but they know there's something different. I want that to be the case everywhere I go. Every time I go somewhere, I don't want it to be me that they see. I don't want to be so caught up in doing good and doing right that I miss opportunities to do what God wants me to do. To go places that he wants me to go that I probably wouldn't go if it was my decision. <laughs> right? I'm not going down that street. You know what kind of people live in that trailer park? Right? Have, have any of us ever said that in our mind? When God's trying to <clears throat> turn here, turn here. No, 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 no. I don't ever go in there. What if God's got you going in there to reach one person that would be the fire that would be lit under everybody in that trailer park? And you don't listen and you don't go. Do you want to go before God and have to give an answer for that? Do we? I don't. I want to know his voice, Brother Becker, so keenly that I know when he's telling me to do stuff like that. I don't want to be so busy with myself and busy with with all the other noises in this world. I mean, I don't even turn my radio on in my truck anymore. And every now and then when I do turn it on, I feel like God's saying, would you please turn that off? Now, you think I'm kidding. I'm not. He'll say it to me. Please turn that off. Because he wants to talk to me. So I just gave up turning it on. And every now and then he'll say, he'll tell me, go ahead and turn the radio on. It's okay. And I'll put something 
you know, something in there that will cause me to want to worship and praise and lift up his name. But that's how I want to live. That's how I want to live my life. I don't want to be busy trying to be good and do right and do good and miss out on God. So if we fail to do what he's commanded us to do, to go out and proclaim the gospel, if we disobey his will, are we doing good? Are we? I don't know. You've got to ask yourself and maybe ask God that question. This is not just for you. This is for me. It's, remember, I had to hear this first. So God's dealing with me, and I'm thankful that I'm still on the wheel. I'm thankful that he's still working on me. Now, that's a cute little song they sung in Sunday school. I never got to sing that song in Sunday school, Brother Becker. But I got to sing it with my kids in Sunday school. He's still working on me to make me what I ought to be. Took him just a week to make the moon and the stars, the sun and the earth and Jupiter and Mars. So how loving and patient he must be. <laughs> when I'm singing, I'm thinking to myself, he's still working on me. He's still working on me. So final question, and I'm done. Can we be saved if we are just having church and not taking the gospel to the lost? Don't answer that. Can we be saved if we're just having church and not taking the gospel to the lost? Are we going to have to give an answer for that? Dear God, I hope not. I'm trying to make it to where I don't have to give an answer for that. I want my answer to be right now. Whatever you want me to do, God, send me to do it. I'm not going to understand it for sure. Because if he's not, if he's going to ask you to do something mighty for his glory, you're not going to understand it, and it's not going to make sense, and you're going to say, I, "That's not possible." Right? How many of us have already been there? And God's going to say, "Yeah, I know it's not possible. That's why I'm asking you to do it, so that I can do it through you." I don't know why God had me come and speak this tonight, but I, I hope that it's challenged somebody. It's challenged me, and. Um, you know, we've got a, there's a world out there that needs Jesus. There's a, how many population? 51,000 in La Crosse. I don't know about the county. 140,000 in La Crosse County. And there's how many people in here? Less than 20? We hadn't even scratched the surface. There's a whole bunch of people that need to hear about Jesus. And I know I live in Sparta, but there's a whole bunch of people in Sparta. There's almost 50,000 people in Sparta that need to hear about Jesus. And there's a whole bunch of people I'm around every day up there in Toma that need to hear about Jesus. And I don't know if that pastor up there will ever get to talk to him, but I'm there in front of him every day, five days a week. So I gotta, I gotta present Jesus to them every day that I go to work. I still gotta do my job. I still gotta conduct myself in, accordingly as, as I'm supposed to with my job, but I still gotta bring Jesus and present Him to them and not me. Amen? Let's all stand. Father, we love you tonight. We thank you for this word. Father, we thank you for ministering to our hearts and souls and minds tonight. Father, I don't know uh, what you heard in story, Lord Jesus, but you, you are in charge of this whole thing, Father, and I, we just want you to be in control and in charge of everything, our thoughts, our words, our God, uh, our actions, Lord Jesus, where we go, what we say, what we do. Father, we want to be your vessels. 
I know that everybody else in this room, but I want to be a vessel of honor. Because I want to be a vessel of honor. And I want to be able to say, not just uh, that I was, but I did good and did right, but that I did His will. In this area, God, we want to be your servants. And in this last day that we're living with, God, there are a lot of things that we're going to have to face and confront. But God, you are in control of every circumstance, every situation. You are in control. You are in control when the church was being persecuted by power. You are in control then. Father, you are in control. When we were living by for 310 years, you are in control then, Father. And Lord, you are in control right now. We want you to be in control. Lord Jesus, have thine own way, Lord, have thine own way. Thou art the potter and Lord of the clay tonight. Let's sing that song. Have thine own way.